Grab your Bibles with me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I started this series where we were talking about flourishing uh, financially. Um, I want you to hear uh, this series as we go into, before I read it, through the lens of, of as your leader, as your pastor, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to um, at least enable us to get to the place where we can hear God speak to us to help us change our lives and to turn things around uh, financially in our own life. More times than often when you come to church and you hear somebody's going to talk about finances, it's a difficult subject, it's an uncomfortable subject. It's normally through the lens of, of us giving to the church, us giving more to the work of the Lord. But today I want to give back to you. Come, Is that all right, y'all? Come on, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to hear this through the lens of, I got to give, I got to give. Don't, don't hear that. I want you to receive what God has in store for you so we can turn our own individual lives around. Is that all right? More times than often we come to church, here's, here, you know, we hear the spiritual man, the spiritual man, the spiritual man, the spiritual man. And the spiritual man is normally good, but then the physical man is a mess or the physical person. So not only do we have to deal with the spirit being, but there is a physical component of us where we have to make sure we're healthy um, physically and we're also healthy financially. Come on, y'all. Amen? So I think that's part of the holistic approach to this gospel that the church is obligated to, is that we need to teach people holistically. So to, today, I want to pick up what I was sharing a couple of weeks ago and revisit some things, but I want to be just upfront and honest with you all as you work through the Word of God, because I think if the church is healthy holistically, the world sees God differently. Amen. Amen. Come on. Y'all all right with me? They see God differently. So grab your Bibles. Let us pray. Go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 41. Um, and down specifically through verse 33. And let me read there. And then we're going to talk through um, what the good Lord has in, short, in store for us. If you're there, say amen. Verse 33 opens up by saying this. Now, therefore, um, Joseph saying to Pharaoh... Let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and let him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store them up again under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food, it says in verse 36, shall be a reserve. Come on, say reserve. reserve. Come on, say it again. Say reserve. reserve. It shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish during the famine. I'm telling you, if, if you can ever read verses 33 through all the way down through uh, 45, I really believe God is going to say something to you to free us up financially. So let us pray, and then we're going to go to the Word of God. Lord, open our hearts uh, to hear, to be in tune, to receive uh, your Word, um, what you have in store for us, God. Felix moves out of the way. Felix dies. Felix wants this congregation to be healthy financially in their own personal lives. So through me with clarity, God, with soundness of speech and mind. So your body can be whole. We give this to you, God. So bless and have your way. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Turn it in real quick and say, neighbor, let's get ready to dive in. Good, good, good. So I want to, since, since this is such a heavy subject, I want to kind of start light a little bit, right? So I got a couple of things on the screen that I want to read to you just to kind of set the tone. So this one, a couple of comics. I have learned that in every language money speaks. It says goodbye, says adios, it says whatever that word says, and then it says, yeah, whatever. Then it says sayonara. Okay, I'm glad y'all can read that. Good, yeah. You kind of get, yeah. It, it, money just has a way of speaking to us, doesn't it? It's like I'm leaving your pocket, I'm leaving your wallet book, and I'm going over here. And then you're like, where'd my money go? It's, I told you I was leaving, and we missed that. So it speaks and it communicates to us. So um, look at this one. I was jokingly saying, and I got to put jokingly saying this morning, my wife ended up busting me that this is her problem, but she, that's not her problem. She's a banker, so she knows better. It 
says, how can you say, this is the lady telling the bank teller, arguing with her, that I don't have money in my account. I still have lots of checks in my checkbook. Is that crazy or what, right? How you tell me, my checkbook still have checks in it. And the sad commentary is, right, a lot of us live life and we manage our accounts that way. We just look at the checks and we just write, write, write and never balance the account. And we wonder what happens when the banks, the check just kind of drops on the floor and comes back up to the ceiling. Okay, here's another one. I've always told my people, you can't take it with you, but Harry must not have been listening. Man's going to his graveyard, but he's carrying stuff with him. Here is one of my favorites, um, if not my favorite one. Uh, Notice what it says. The $100 says, I had a good life, nice house, fast cars, great vacations, and expensive restaurants. Here's the dollar bill. All I ever did was go to church, go to church, go to church. Here's the $100 bill. What's a church? Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Y'all know that's funny. Yeah. I know we're in church. You're like, oh, that's wrong. Well, that's what makes it funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> that the $100 bill is saying that. So as we kind of talk this subject matter, one of the things I want to begin by saying, most of us spend tomorrow's money today when we don't even have it yet. Is that we find ourselves in this financial predicament and the calamity, calamity that we find ourselves placed in is because we don't do a good job with our financial resources. And, and with, we spend today what we hope will come in tomorrow, such that when tomorrow comes, it's not even available to us. And the sad commentary, and I'm speaking specifically to the Church of God and to the people that are here, is that we live in denial about the predicament that we find ourselves in. What we do is as opposed to being better stewards of God's resources, the resources that God has entrusted us with, we place the obligation on God to provide for us when God has already given us everything we need to be providers for ourselves. So here's what we do, right? How you doing, sister? How you doing, brother? Man, I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord and all is going well. When, 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 when financially we're broke down, we're broke, we don't have resources, we don't have the finance to do what God would want us to do. But we're praying, we're hoping for the check to come in the mail at some point in time when the whole time, I want you all to hear this biblically and spiritually, God is saying you can do something about the predicament that you find yourself in. And we become so spiritually minded that we don't pay attention to that and we miss what God is saying to us. So hear me say this. God does not want his children living in poverty. And, 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 and don't make the mistake of leaving here saying, oh, he's one of those prosperity preachers. That is the furthest thing from my mind. It's not in my DNA. I am not a prosperity person. But I really do believe if we follow the word of God that there's principles that are taught in the word of God to get us to be where we could have us to be. We have to be careful of living above our means because it traps us financially. It ties our hand and we're not free to enjoy the abundant life that God wants us to enjoy. So today... I want to just continue the teaching that I started two weeks ago and just revisit this exact same passage and share some of the same principles. We're going to share the same things I said with you a couple weeks ago, but I want it to resonate. I want it to get in your spirit so you can hear what God is saying. So as we move into this teaching, I want you to point to yourself and say, Self, I must be careful to avoid the debt trap. Yeah, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, you should be careful of avoiding the debt trap. Let's, let's walk through this. So there, there's a couple of things I want to talk to. Number one, avoid the debt trap. Listen to what the debt, debt does to people. It says the average credit card balance is about $6,600, according to Experian, in 2018, right? Then when you look at people's credit score and report, and the average Vantage score was 675 in 2018. That, that's below standards because credit has so people tied up or so much in debt. Look at this next one. Um, the total revolving consumer credit debt reached 1.027, and that's trillion with a T, 
in March of 2018. That's according to the Federal Reserve. That is ridiculous. Come on, y'all. Are you with me? And, and, and let, me, let me put myself in the equation. You and I are contributors to that number. All right? I want us to get that, okay? Look at the next one. The credit card debt, debt um, in the first quarter alone of 2018, it hit $810 billion. That's like with B. That's a lot of debt. That's a lot of debt that people find themselves in. Look at this one. Um, 15% of families that report spending, and I, I'm led to believe that that number is probably even higher, spending more money than they receive each month. Here's what that means in English, that our outgo exceeds our income. Can we say amen and be honest about that this morning? Okay. 43% of Americans, right, they spend more than they receive each month, and they borrow and use credit to finance the shortfall. So here's what that means. I make this amount of money, I spend this amount, and because my income isn't the same, we use credit to make up the shortfall. Not good. It creates a crazy situation and positions us to miss what God has in store for us. According to the debt trap, 57% of Americans use credit cards for convenience and do not carry over the balance. Listen to this. It says here, um, the debt trap, nearly 1 million Americans file for bankruptcy every year. Thousands of others seek help through credit counseling because they're too far in debt to get out. More than 25% of the average family's income goes to debt retirement, not including their home mortgages. So here's what that means, and you're going to see this in a while. We work to pay bills, and we're not able to enjoy our income. Four out of five of us, if you were to number one, two, three, four, four out of five, listen to this, owe more than we own. Y'all get this? Come on. The debt trap causes us to feel as if we can't save for the future as we should. The debt trap, it causes us to think we can't afford to give to the work of the Lord as we know we should. The debt trap causes us to have trouble relaxing and enjoying life because of financial pressures. And here's the thing I want you to hear me say this morning as we kind of talk through this teaching to help you, is that there is a way to get out of debt and to stay out of debt. And if we ever expect to receive, achieve the financial successes that God expects for us to achieve as a people of God, there are some intentional steps that you and I need to take to make sure that these things happen. Are you guys ready for this? Come on, are you ready for this? Okay? So, in other words, first thing you got to do is you have to own up to the fact and make sure that we understand where does my money go? You ever got paid and then two days after you got paid, you kind of ask yourself, what happened? Y'all just like acting like y'all just got it together like that. Maybe it's just me. Okay? So, here's part of the problem. The problem is this. Our money goes into instant gratification. Let me tell you what that means. We are, I want it, and I want it now type of people. Amen. Come on, can I get it? Is it just me, y'all? It's like you see the thing, you want the thing, and as opposed to positioning yourself to save, to ensure the thing that is available, we're the type of people that says, I want it, and I want it now, and we instantly pursue everything that we need as opposed to discipline in ourselves. We are an impatient people. We are, the phrase that I use, people that live in the advent of the microwave, right? We don't even have time to turn the stove on to wait for the water to boil. Heck, we put the cup in the microwave and press the button because the stove takes too long. Right? And we take that same principle and we transfer it over to life. We're walking in the mall. We're walking in the store. We're surfing the internet. And we see something. And we can't wait till payday to make sure that after everything is done, there's excess and I can't afford to do the thing. Heck, we want it now. And we click now because we are can't wait generation. And what's the problem with that is society is taking advantage of you and mine's need for instant gratification. When I was coming up, there used to be a time, this doesn't happen no more, culture has changed, where boy sees girl, and if boy wanted girl, 
boy had to wait until marriage to get girl. Instant gratification. It shifted. Boy meets girl, and heck, forget marriage. All you see is a U-Haul pulling up because boy now is moving in with girl because folk can't wait. Instant gratification. Something is wrong. Come on, y'all. Can we be honest this morning? Something is wrong. Something is wrong, and we must get to the place where we change that. We have, I mean, here's the thing, right? Um, my wedding ring, I shared this the last time I shared the same thing. I share it again. 95 bucks when I bought it. Well, Katani had to buy it for me because I bought hers. Hers was 125 and mine was, see, y'all laughing, right? But, but we're still married 37 years later. And we still got the same ring. At least half of us do. And, um, <laughs> right? Here's what happens now. Girl meets boy, and here's what she says to him. That ring better cost at least 10 grand. Come on, y'all. Ask yourself, look at your ring right now. Look at them blings in there, right? And ask yourself how much you spend. And here's the point. And more times when we did that, you couldn't afford it. It was paid for by the time we walked down the aisle. Because you know what? We had to put it on layaway. And we had to wait till it was paid off for the wedding. There was some value in not doing things instantly, right? There's a story, I'm sharing this for a story, of a man who got his um, credit, his, 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 uh, the burglar stole his wife's credit card, and the man refused to report the fact that the credit card was stolen because the thieves were spending less than the wife. <laughs> Terrible. But that's instant gratification, right? That's like terrible. But instant, he said, this is cheaper than me getting it back and giving it to her. Because it, it kind of, yeah, that, that's terrible. But we need to be careful of that. Instant gratification gets us in trouble every single time. And the thing that I want you to realize about this is that the, the media or social media is very accommodating to what's happening within you and me. Here's what happens. You go on Google and you Google a particular product right? All you're doing is conducting research. Next time you're on Amazon, notice what the banner is. You kind of get what I'm saying? They are showing you the stuff, how to get it instantly, and then you say, well, forget this. I'm going to wait. Let me just go over on Facebook and see what's happening. That thing follows you. Come on, y'all. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? We are in a consumeristic society, and culture is set up such that it's designed to take the resources from us, and if we're not cognizant of where our money goes, it's going to catch us every single time. Amen. Amen. Repeat after me. Say, self, self. Be, on be on the lookout. Here's another place your money goes, right? It goes into wasteful spending. If I were to be honest with you, that's my problem sometimes, right? My wife says to me, you got too much stuff. Get rid of it. You got too much stuff, right? Wasteful Spending. We see something, we want it, we buy it, and we don't even need it. So here's what I said to you last week. We end up buying stuff to impress people we don't even like. Wasteful spending, right? But we got a wow. We got a, oh, man, you like those shoes? Oh, you saw that dress you saw? You kind of can't even afford it. You've got to be cognizant of that to be careful that we don't find ourselves in it. So notice, let me give you just a little picture of how this works, then we're going to walk through. So here's some industries that want to take your money from you, right? There's a merchant who makes the product. There is the advertiser who sells the product that the merchant made. There's the media who markets the product that the merchant made, that the advertiser advertised. And then check this out. If you don't have the money, there's a credit agent's agency that'll give you the read. Come on, y'all talk to me. Y'all be honest with me. Amen. I'll never forget. This is my personal story. I think I was 20-something years old, and I have this sin with fast cars, right? And we were living in Tucson at the time, and I was watching, I think it was a sports game or something like that. Then all of a sudden, the, the commercial was about less than 10 seconds long. Shoom! And then the sign came up, Ford Mustang. Next thing, I'm like a dummy. Going to the Ford dealer, right? 
because the merchant made the thing, the advertiser advertised it, the media showed it, and I came home, look, baby, look what I bought. The credit agency got me. Now, I know I'm not just talking to myself. All right? Can we be honest, y'all? You see that thing that's in you that you wanted all the time, and they have a way of showing it to you. So be cognizant and be careful of that. Here's another thing that wasteful spending goes into, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, come on, y'all. Can we be honest? Keeping up with the Joneses. Because your neighbor got a new fence, you got to get a new fence. Come on. Because your neighbor got a new snowblower, you've got to get a new snowblower. You don't even like your neighbor. Come on. Because your coworker got a new car, you've got to get a new car. And you don't even like your... Come on. Can we be honest this morning? Because your family member moved. Now you got to move because you don't want them to have a bigger house than you have. Because they got a new refrigerator, you got to get one double the size as if you need it because you're trying to impress people and keep up with the Joneses. Stop it. My personal story, I, as a young guy, I was 20-something years old, young preacher, and I came up in the Baptist era, and here's what the Baptist church looked like, right? Um, they, they had the pulpit, and they would have the chairs for the preachers that would sit in the pulpit. Y'all, any, any Baptist people in here? Come on. And then when you walk in, are you a reverend? They'd walk you right down the center aisle and put you up in the pulpit, and you sit with all the preachers. Now, y'all, in the Baptist days, I mean, the, the thing about being a good Baptist preacher is you had to be color-coordinated. Oh, come on. Yeah, you, you wasn't preaching. You couldn't walk in a pulpit with raggedy stuff, right? And, and you're looking at the corporate guy that I had to outdo every preacher, man. Come on. I, had to, I couldn't let them outdo me. So I'd go every week. I'd come with a new tie. And you know the tie can't cost 50 bucks because brothers would bump up on you and flip the thing over to see who made it. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Yeah, and if it ain't made by the right person, they're like, Psh, please, whatever. So, so I, I was a dumb guy that would spend all the money on the suits and spend all the money on the shirts to color coordinate and all the money on the tie. And you can't have the tie without the right pocket square. Come on. And you can't have the pocket square that don't match the socks. And the reason it's got to be right is so when they put you in the pulpit and you sit down, you got to sit down just right, you know, so everybody can see everything. They got to see the suit. They got to see the shirt. And you got to put your legs up and pull the pants up a little bit, you know, like you, so they can see the socks. Come on. And then you got to pull the coat back and make sure the cufflinks are showing. So they. <laughs> Patrick, am I telling the truth? Come on, brother. You started out here like that. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And the problem is more times than often, we cannot afford it. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. These are the things that cause for wasteful spending and gets us in a bad place. Listen to what Proverbs says. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his own feet. Solomon, right? The wisest man that ever lived. You're trying to impress folk with your socks and tie and cufflinks and all that stuff. You're setting a web for your own feet. Stop it. It makes no sense. It's, it's no different than a lady that bought a new pair of shoes and a new purse and going to be the last one to walk in church so everybody can see and walk all the way down to the front. You know you were late on a purpose. Say amen. So stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It does no good. Look at this one. Our money goes to wasteful spending. The third thing, Credit. Part of what I want you to take away today as we just lay foundation is we must begin the process of seeing credit as a financial enemy. Let me go here. If I were to lend you $8,000 and say, pay me back $20,000, you would say to me, I'm crazy. But most of us do that. Depending on credit score, depending on credit history, you kind of get where I'm going with this, right? We go buy a car. And the dealer says, here, they don't even tell you the price of the car no more. Here's what they say, how much you want to pay every month. And you end up buying a $50,000 car because, listen to this, it took you 15 years to pay it off. <laughs> and you wonder when you go trade it in five years later, you owe more than the thing's worth. Credit. Right? Credit. 
credit, credit. Be careful and be cognizant as it relates to that because these are the things that take our money and cause us to miss what God is trying to do in our lives. So let me talk about this. So here's something, wasteful spending. Here's the thing I want you to hear me say. It positions us for the famine, okay? So repeat after me. Say, self, beware Beware. of the famine. I said all of that that I said to you early because I want you to hear me say this. If you don't do the right thing, the famine is coming and it will catch you unprepared. Okay? And the reason a lot of us find ourselves in the deep debt and the crazy positions that we find ourselves in is because in the good years, we did not prepare for the famine. Okay? I'm going to read a text. But before I read the text, let me tell you this little story. I think I was 21 or 22 years old. And my best friend, when I say my best friend, I think they call it BFF now. This is the guy that, that I felt I was born to the hip with. We grew up together. We lived life together. We did everything together. He, he's my dude, my best friend. Well, about 20, when I was 20-something, his dad won the New York lottery. 18 mil. When you're 21 and your best friend wins the New York, his dad wins the New York lottery, come on, y'all, you just might as well have won the New York lottery. Here's a sad commentary. I lived in Tucson at the time, but I was in L.A. every weekend helping him spend that $18 million. You get it. Yeah, you get it. You get it, right? Now, let me go here. Let me go here. Let me go here. The end of the fast forward a long time ago. Here they are. And what they did was they took the 20-year drawdown plan where every year you get this huge amount of money. I'm telling everybody was driving nice cars, motorhomes, big homes. Everybody, they were doing it up, right? 20 years later when that income stopped, ask me how they're doing right now. Broke. And here's your prayer. I don't need... 18, just give me 1 million. If you don't listen to what I'm saying, you too will be broke at the end of the 1 million. Amen. Are you hearing me, right? Y'all don't believe, y'all don't appreciate No, not me, not me, not me. Here, listen, listen, some of us are living for that tax return. <laughs> Let me be nice. Some of y'all already spent the tax return <laughs> that you haven't even filed yet. <laughs> and you want a million? You kind of get where I'm going with this, guys? If we don't pay attention, the famine will come. And when the famine comes, it will catch us unprepared. This is the story that we have in front of us. This is the situation. This is where Pharaoh found himself such that God had to providentially position Joseph so that Pharaoh don't make the mistake that you and I make in today's day and age. And I want us to look at this story briefly. Just let me share some things. Then I'm going to relive a couple of points that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago to reiterate this and to drive this home again. Here's what's happening in the story, just to bring you up to speed in case you missed it. Um, Pharaoh had a dream. And no one in Pharaoh's kingdom could interpret Pharaoh's dream. And let me add to this, and please hear me say I'm adding to this. I'm not saying the text says this, but let me add to this. I I personally believe the reason no one could interpret Pharaoh's dream is because they never dreamt themselves in being in such a predicament. So they didn't see it coming. And there's no way they could see it coming because it was not in their framework. That's not who they were. Look at the text. And so Pharaoh summons Joseph to interpret this dream. And then listen to this. Look at verse 25. So Joseph comes and he's about to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. I'll explain. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. Look at verse 29. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Then look at verse 29. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. 
But after then, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow. For it will be very severe, and the, doubting, the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. So notice verse 33. Then Pharaoh said, "Then um, now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and let him over, set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of the good years that are coming and stir up grain against the authority of Pharaoh for food for the cities and let them keep it. Look at the next verse. That food shall be a what? Come on, say reserve. Shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Now here's my take on this text on why God needed to position Joseph to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. And I need to make this clear because I think that was my problem and I think that's a lot of our problem is that a lot of us don't see the famine coming and we live for the now. And now I am the guy that's of the position that because of Pharaoh's current position, because of him establishing world dominance in the world at the time, heck, he was the Pharaoh of Egypt. He had the army that's above armies. If he needed money, he could make it. He was building cities and he had people to build cities for him. There was no lack that Pharaoh had. And you mean to go to a person like that and say to them seven years from now you're going to be broke? They would say to you, you're stupid. You're crazy. I've been on this job for 40 years. There's no way I'm going to get fired right now. I've got tenure. I've got seniority. I've made all the monies in the world. There's no way the famine is coming to me. It's going to come to you before it ever hits me. Am I talking to somebody yet? And because he could create whatever he wanted, he got comfortable living paycheck to paycheck because he knew the next check was going to come and it could supply what he had then. And God said to him, the checks are going to stop. And Pharaoh was like, what? This, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. I see Seven fat cows, and I see seven thin cows come out of the Nile, and they eat the seven fat cows, and they still look thin. I see seven, I mean, a field of stalks there that's healthy and plump, and I see these thin things that are withered away by the east wind. They come, and they eat up the healthy one, and they still look thin. What does all that mean? And Joseph is trying to say to him, you can't see it because you fool yourself into thinking that your present predicament is permanent. The famine is going to come. And if you don't prepare for the famine, it's going to catch you unprepared. I hope you're listening to me in this text because that's been my problem. Young corporate engineer making all the money in the world and living from check to check because the next one was fat enough to cover me for a month. But the day would come when God would say enough is enough. And some of you have been there. And the reason, please don't hear this offensively, but the reason you had to go to the unemployment line was because you had nothing saved up when the famine came. Amen. The reason we had to go to the service, social service agencies of the world for assistance is because we had nothing prepared when the famines came. Because like Pharaoh, we fooled ourselves into thinking the famine would never hit me. And the sad commentary is, here's my story the first week we did this. We had never been taught that there will, a famine will be coming. So we don't know how to prepare for that. Because grandma then was always in the famine. Oh, come on, y'all. Grandpa then was always in the famine. And you vowed to yourself, I'm never going to be in the famine like grandma then. So we went to college and we got a better job and we did better. But when you look at it, at the end of the day, our bank account shows us we're in the same predicament that grandma and grandpa them was in. Can we talk honestly this morning? 
Can we come, come on, come hit your neighbor and say, neighbor, we're going to be honest this morning. Because we need to stop it. We need to break it. We need to be the people of God to change things around. The saddest commentary in my ministerial career was I buried a 99-year-old grandma that had nothing to give her children on her death. 99 years old. And I said to myself, oh, my gosh, 99 years old, no house to pass on. No legacy. I was going to talk about legacy this morning. Nothing to give them. If you don't have nothing to leave your kids when you leave the scene, you're not ready for the famine. So Moses, I mean, Joseph says to him, the famine is coming, right? Because when you spend wastefully, it positions us to experience the famine. So here's the first thing we got to do. Accept responsibility, right? Say, I didn't know. Come on, say, I didn't know. Say, I didn't know. Say, Because here's what you and I do. Here's what you and I do. We're so holy because we fast three times a day and five days a week. And we, 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 we don't miss church. Matter of fact, we're so holy at 1045. We're already sitting there praying, waiting for worship. We got it like that, right? And so here's what that happens. When the famine hits because we're so holy and all of a sudden you go home and the fridge stops working. Lord, have mercy. That's a devil. So we come back to church, 1045 before worship. Y'all pray for me. The devil done got in my fridge. The devil did not get in your fridge. You did not prepare for the famine. And you're blaming the demons for your lack of preparation. Come on, don't, oh, y'all, let's be honest this morning, right? You driving down the road and then your car gets flat. And because you don't have money to buy new tires, Lord, the demons are attacking me. Oh, my gosh. They done got in my fridge. Now they're in my car. Then you go to wash your clothes and the washer and dryer. Oh, it's just demons all over my house. Prayer ministry, ain't no demons. You weren't prepared for the famine. Because I bet you had you had the bank account, there would be no demonic influence in your house. You just buy a new one. See how we spiritualize things? Can we be honest this morning? And God has sent Joseph to tell you that the seven years of plenty is only going to last for a while. And the seven years of famine is going to come. God said it. And here's what Joseph said to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, by virtue of the fact that God has repeated the thing, it will happen. So when it happens, don't blame the demons. God said it. God said it. God said it. Are we prepared for it? Or are you wearing your family, your preparation money? This making sense? Come on, say self. Accept responsibility. Lazy hands, Proverbs says, makes a man poor. But diligent hands brings what? Here's what Joseph said to Pharaoh. For seven years, go to work. Do this, do this, do that, do that. And I'll talk about that in a little while. If you don't do it. You're going to be poor because the famine is coming, right? So here's the next thing. Acknowledge the bondage, right? After we accept responsibility, we must get to the place where we said, this is a burden. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Come on, y'all. Enough is enough. Is it just me? Enough is enough, and we want to do, I, I, want to, I, I want to live an abundant life. You kind of get where I'm going? I want to be blessed. I want to do, come on, y'all, come on. I want to do things God's way. So I'm going to listen to what God is saying to me in his word so I can be who he would have me. So I have to accept responsibility. So because a lot of us have not yet ex- accepted responsibility, here's what our life looks like. I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And listen, the only reason we work It's not to enjoy life, but it's to pay back creditors. You get it. So your motivation for getting a job is not to enjoy life. It's because you got to pay somebody back. Where'd that come from? Nowhere in Genesis chapter 3 and 4 do we see God saying to Adam, till the soil so you can pay me back or you can pay back the creditor. The principle was work to enjoy life, work to enjoy life, work to enjoy life. But a lot of us have not gotten there yet because we have not, we don't understand the the principle of when there's plenty prepared for the famine. We don't understand that, okay? So check this out. 
the prudent see danger, Proverbs again, 27, and they do what? Take refuge, but the simple does what? Keep going, and they suffer for it. Please, whatever you do this morning, hear me. Hear me. Please hear me as a voice of God over your lives this morning. Danger is coming. Prepare for it. Please hear me. Come on, y'all. Please hear me. Please hear me. Prepare for it. Don't be guilty of the prey of, of seeing danger and not taking refuge, but keep going on like nothing is going to happen. Hear me. Prepare for it. Right? So here's a couple more things I'm going So if you're going to do that, accept responsibility and you're going to acknowledge the bondage, the thing I want to say, you gotta have, must have a plan. Develop a plan. Develop a plan. Repeat on me. Say self. Develop a plan. Say it again. Say self. Develop a plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, develop a plan. Come on, tell them. Say, neighbor, develop a plan. Okay? Now, let me, let me back up. This thing um, went too far. I want you all to, to, to see this. Um, oh, this is going way, way, way too far. I don't know what. Okay, let me see. Okay. So the plans of the diligent lead to profit. So haste leads to poverty. Um, let me tell you all this story real quick. This is, this is cute to me. Y'all remember Adam and Eve? Don't read it. Don't read it. Just look at me. Look at me. Yeah, yeah. Remember Adam and Eve? Adam had it made. He had a job. Matter of fact, the best job, right, on the face of the earth. Come on. I mean, he just had to look at the soil and it would produce stuff. Come on, y'all. He had it made. He, I mean, he just had to, he didn't have to do, I mean, he was getting paid fat checks, fat checks every time, right? Just had the best job on the face of the earth. Every afternoon, he'd go home. As opposed to having to watch ESPN, he'd sit with God and just chill. It doesn't get better than that, right? Somebody messed up his job. I'm not going to say who it was. But he ended up getting fired, right? He getting fired. So check this out. He had to develop a plan on what they were going to do going forward. So notice what the thing said. It says here, we've had a run of pretty bad luck lately, Eve. But I have a pretty good feeling about this work thing. So here's what he's saying. Well, we done lost that one. We can't sit down and just pray. Y'all miss that? Okay. He said, I got a pretty good feeling that if I go do this work thing, that we're going to be all right. I want y'all to hear me say that. That if you do that work thing, you're going to be all right. Y'all not hear me. I hear you. Because the spiritual man says, oh, pray. Get on the prayer line. Call the saints. No, apply. <laughs> Put your resume together. Come on, y'all. The prudent take haste. I just showed you the scripture. You kind of get what I'm saying? Call everybody, you know, age or side. You got openings at that bank? I mean, you call. Y'all not hearing me. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. I mean, don't miss what this brother's saying. Hey, Eve, I got a pretty good feeling. It's not going to be like it was. By the sweat of my brow shall I eat bread. I've got to work the soil. But there's a work principle that God has put in place. That work is not a sin. Some of us fool ourselves into thinking it's a sin to work. No. There's a blessing there. Does that make sense? So, so, so watch this. Watch this and then I'm going to share it. So here's what, here's what Joseph said to Pharaoh. Watch this, guys. And, and, and you can't make this up. Um, this blew me away when I saw it in the Word of God. Look at verse 33 of chapter 41. He says, Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and, let him, and set him over the land of Egypt. He said, Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land. Watch this now. Hey, Pharaoh, here's what you need to change. And take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven years of plentiful and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food, look at the next verse, shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Let me read that again. Let me read it in English this time. It says, verse 33, Now let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Here's what that's saying. If you find yourself not ready for the famine, here's what you got to do. Find you some wise people who can counsel you on how to do it different. So verse 34, here's what he said. So let Pharaoh 
Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth, one-fifth. When you do the math, that's like the 80, 20% of everything that you make for the next seven years. So in other words, stop living on 100% of your, your, your paycheck, Pharaoh. Stop it. Stop eating all the seed. Stop eating all the produce. Take 20% of it and, and go to the bank and, and stick it there. I just read what Joseph said to Pharaoh. This is not an investment broker speaking. This is God had said it to Pharaoh, but because he didn't see the famine coming, he couldn't interpret it for himself. So Joseph said to him, stop living on 100% of your income. I'm saying to you, stop living on 100% of your income. Are you hearing me? Come on, are you hearing me? Please, are you hearing me? Stop it. Okay? Stop it. And, and so, so notice, what, notice what this says. Here's what I said two weeks ago. The principle of the fifth, the 80-20 rule, is develop and live on a budget. So in other words, spend it on paper before you actually get it in your hand. One more time. Spend it on paper before you actually get it in your hand. Make sense? Spend it on paper before you get it in your hand. Put a budget together before it shows up. Right? Because if you haven't spent it on paper, it's going to spend itself. That new pair of stilettos that you always wanted is going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on Google. It's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be, you get it. Every, you're going to be sleep. oh, Lord, Jesus is in my head. And next thing you do, like me with that, just like me and that Mustang. Care what you think. <laughs> you get it? So look at the next one. Never live on 100% of your income. This is the principle I say based on the text. Grow to live on a maximum of 80% of your income. Um, that means you allot 20% of your net income for investment purposes. My principle, give 10 to God and put 10 in the bank account and live off the rest. Does that make sense? Amen. Right? Such that when the famine come, you're not freaking out because 10% of your income over the next seven years is going to look pretty doggone good. I wish I had somebody in here. But it, come on, y'all. Are you getting what I'm saying? But it takes a discipline. It takes us changing the way we do things now. I know Chick-fil-A belongs to Christians, but that's not an excuse to spend money there to say, well, at least they saved. No. Okay? You kind of get what I'm saying? Stop the fast food stuff. I was sharing with my leadership team this morning. It's not that you can't afford to save. It's just that we spend in the wrong places. Come on, what sense does it make to have a $300 cable bill? Y'all real quiet now, like, pastor, just keep preaching. <laughs> I'm going to keep preaching. Right, right, right. Okay. So, so you grow to that point. And let me hit this thing. Then I'm going to start real quick. Let me, let me go here. Um, um, so, so whatever you do, do not continue your current spending pattern as you're repositioning self to prepare for the famine. I said this two weeks ago. Let me say it again. Um, if you're unable to invoke the principle of the fifth right now, let's say I can't do 80, 20%. That's cool. Start, I said this two weeks ago, 99.9, .9, start there. If all you can save is a penny every week, save a penny every week. Amen. Come on, are you with me? At least it's something. You kind of get what I'm saying? And you grow to the place. You grow to the place. So I say this, live within your means. Downsize if you have to. You don't have to have the biggest house on the block. You're impressing people that don't like you. You kind of get where I'm going? Okay. Um, downsize, jokingly I said, sell everything except the children, right? <laughs> live like no one else. So you can live like no one else. And then if you don't sit, you, the numbers still don't make sense, create additional income streams. That's so huge. Create additional income streams. Get up from in front of BT and go get a second job. Amen. Do what you have to do in the interim to position yourself to be ready for the famine. Does that make sense, guys? And then submit to the will of the Father. And then I'm going to say this, start immediately. So I'm going to say, don't leave here without having made the decision to do things differently. And then finally this, listen, this money moves from those who do not manage it to those who do. That is so true. Dave Ramsey said this, right? Because here's what the deal. The reason my friend lost the $18 million after 20 years is because somebody had decided they put a management plan in place on how to take his $18 million from him. 
And he didn't have a plan to talk about how to keep my 18 million and turn it into 36 million. And that's a lot of our problems. We have no management plan. So those who do, the media, the advertising agency, the merchant, the credit agency, they plan to take our money from us. And it works every single time. So here's what we're going to do, right? Then I'm done. We've done this before. We just did it recently. April taught a class. We're going to do it again seriously to really help us because Katani and I can say by way of testimonies, we've done this class twice. First time we got it, the second time it really enforces some things and it positions us to live in the debt-free manner that we do right now because of the principles that we learned there. So we want to bless you. Right? We want to bless you. We want to bless you. Because living in debt is not fun. Come on, guys. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. You want to work and get paid and say, whoo, a whole check. What am I going to do with this one? Imagine that, right? Some of y'all are, I wish. It can be you. It can be you. That call, it's called preparation for the famine. So I'm going to encourage you. We're going to market this for the next few weeks. I want to encourage y'all to just sign up, sign up, sign up, sign up. Sign up, sign up, sign up. Because there's some freedom that God wants to do to get us to a place where we can really enjoy life and have it more abundantly. Bow your heads with me. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise. Yes. God, you're wonderful. You're awesome. You're gracious. I'm amazed every day that the 80-20 rule is in your word, that I shouldn't live on 100% of my income. It's there. <sighs> Forgive us, God. Scripture is whole. Everything we have, everything we need, it's there. Forgive us for missing you, God, because we get caught up in just the worship. We get caught up in the experience, in the encounter, we miss the practical aspect of life. We repent, God. We repent. Some of us can't afford to send our kids to college because we didn't prepare for the famine. We repent. Some of us can't retire right now because we didn't prepare for the famine. We repent. Some of us can't buy a home right now because we did not prepare for the famine thank you for second chances thank you for third chances thank you for being a gracious God never again God will we find ourselves in these places we're going to listen to what you said to Pharaoh through Joseph so thank you for sending our Joseph God to speak to us so we can make the adjustments we love you we give our hearts and our time to you should there be one here that don't know you that's saying, man, God loves us like that, that he puts a financial plan in the Bible for us? Yes, he does. He paid the debt so I don't have to pay the debt? Yes, he did. So if you're here and God is saying to you, come, if we want to give you a chance to get it right with him and to say, God, move and have your way in our lives. Just allow God to be God this morning.